Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Durhage of Authentic Living with Roxanne. So thanks for tuning in again this week. Today I have uh, Peter Katz. Uh, Peter brings a little bit of a different experience to us um, have, having a Juno-nominated uh, musician. I would say that that's the first time I've had someone um, with this background on. He, uh, he's a musician and a storyteller. So Peter, thanks so much for giving us your time today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So uh, Peter and I, I, I was uh, trying to remember where our paths had crossed and uh, he had, uh, was visiting uh, the Canadian Associ Association of Professional Speakers and we had realized we had met really, really briefly there. So let me tell you a little bit about Peter and we're going to jump right into what he speaks on and um, on, on the, with his keynote kind of uh, speaking engagements that he does. So like I said, he's in a junior Juno Award and Canadian Screen Award nominated sing singer songwriter as well as one of the country's most in-demand keynote speakers. Um, he's toured the world in support of his music, uh, sharing the stage with some musicians like uh, Glenn Hansford and Garth Hudson from the band. And um, he has, uh, has a gift of storytelling and he's a four-time uh, TEDx fellow. So that's uh, gonna be neat to talk a little bit about. He uses his work to inspire people to create, create their own path, uh, overcome obstacles and find success in whatever they desire. So Peter, tell us, I mean, that's a unique background. So I'm gonna assume, I wanna talk a little bit about, you know, um, where you got in your path of music. Cause I would think that, you know, that, um, way of getting into the world could be a difficult path when you're trying to kind of, you know, the music path and then how it got you to the point where you started to talk about resilience. So maybe tell us a little bit about you and, and uh, how you got into the music world. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the music was sort of something I loved to do as a kid. I, you know, played piano, uh, piano played violin and, you know, started playing guitar. And as soon as I started playing guitar, started writing songs that I know th those impulses for me were just connected. Uh, I think there was a simplicity to the guitar that you could just know a few chords and then you could already kind of start creating your own songs. Um, so yeah, I mean that, you know, the whole story of how I, I got into my music career is, is, a, is a, a long one with many twists and turns, but you know, ultimately I, I kind of committed to, to, to a life as a singer songwriter uh, back in 2004 and soon after that well I put up my first you know made it in the my friend's laundry closet kind of album um, <laughs> and uh, and started you know touring across Canada and you know sleeping on floors and driving through snowstorms and kind of nice people feeding me and uh <laughs> and i i got myself up to between 150 and 200 shows a year and wow. i did that for for years um and then i you know started touring in europe and and the whole idea was just kind of one person at a time one show at a time you know shaking hands and kind of building 
a real career. And at the same time, in my mind, I also knew that the only way that I was going to get great at it was to do it all the time. You know, it, it, mm. I was never going to be able to perform at the level that I wanted to perform at or write at the level that I wanted to write at or connect at the level that I wanted to connect at if I didn't kind of get my, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. And so as much as those, you know, it was kind of a crazy many, many, many years of doing that intensity of, of shows, it didn't, it didn't matter so much that it, it was kind of slow going for the first many years and there weren't a lot of people coming because I was like, well, this is, I'm, I'm cutting my teeth here. You know, I, I'm, I, I knew that I wasn't as good yet as I wanted to be. And so I didn't expect it to work because I was like, well, I'm, this is, this is me learning how to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, after probably 10 years, uh, I felt like, okay, I'm good at this now. And now I need to sort of dial it back so that I, I'm not devaluing myself by saying yes to everything. <laughs> um, uh, and around the same time as that happened, you know, there had been, uh, I sort of hit a critical amount of people where I could, you know, go across Canada and I could play, you know, 20, 25 shows, you know, various cities across Canada and get several hundred people out in each of those places that would come see me and, and same in the Netherlands and, you know, a couple of other European markets. It started to, it started to look like a thing. Um, and one of the things that happened is this mentoring group in Southern Alberta that works with youth uh, had been using my songs as part of their curriculum. Uh, and there's a whole other story there, but essentially they invited me to come work with them. And I, I did all this work with youth and I, I still do it. I'm not this summer, unfortunately, because of <laughs> everything's canceled. But, um, uh, but the, the reason that's significant to my speaking career is, is that they, I became friends with these people who are all teachers and they had been coming to my shows and my friend Dave pulled me aside one day and he said, Hey, the stories that you tell on stage, kind of the way that you've lived your life. He's like, I think it's a, it's an inspiring story to tell. And combined with the music, he's like, you, you need to turn this into a presentation, like a talk. And I didn't even, I'd never thought of that, but he, you know, helped me kind of create that initial incarnation of it. Um, and all of a sudden I found myself doing this like hour long presentation for youth, which kind of got my toe in the, in the speaking world. And then a couple years later, um, I was at a event that, uh, you know, our mutual friend Blake Fly was, was doing. And, you know, he knew that I had been doing a bit of speaking stuff and he also knew my music. And so he said, hey, at the end of my event, would you get up? and say a little something about what we've all just experienced here tonight and then play a song. And so mm -hmm. I got up and I just do what I do. And I said some things and played a song. And there was somebody in the audience uh, who saw me and said, Hey, I'm involved with this conference called Fireside. You need to come give a keynote at this conference. And so she pitched me to Fireside and it just so happened you know, this is, the, this is sort of these like cumulative effect things that the guy that runs Fireside, his favorite song of all time was one of my songs. Oh, wow. Uh, and so <laughs> he put me as the closing keynote 
because he thought I was Bono or something, you know. So he put me as the closing keynote to all 450 delegates, even though there was, you know, like the head of innovation for General Motors and all these CEOs and all these fancy people. I I was the Saturday night at 8 p.m. closing keynote for this conference. Amazing. It was amazing. And <laughs> so I again I recognized that this was a bit of a coup. You know, this was kind of a huge opportunity. And so I worked with with Blake and and you know several of my speaker friends and 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 built this talk for you know entrepreneurs for the and for the more business world and delivered this talk and I felt 450 people all at once like lean in and I it was it was the most validating moment of my life where all of the things that I've done kind of culminated in this almost ultimate format for what I do and that one talk changed my life because you know there was all kinds of fancy people in the audience who uh, immediately pitched me to Speaker Spotlight, which is, you know, you know, the top speaking agency in the country. And they became my agent. And then my speaking career just kind of was like a rags to riches story. And it, it, it really, it worked. Um, and it's, it's been working, uh, you know, amazingly well. And, and I, I just love it so much. It, and it's, it just, it just dovetails so well with my career as an artist. And it's, you know, I'm just going to keep quoting Blake here, but Blake, Blake said, he's like, you know, your music career is your laboratory and your speaking career is where you present your results. And so I just love having this, these two things that work so well together and I can go back to the well and write the music and kind of bang my head against the wall and, and kind of, you know, basically live the stories and the challenges that then make me relevant as a speaker. Um, and so, yeah. What, what a perfect combination of, mm. you, know, um, you know, the skills along with the subsection of being ready and at the right place at the right time. Absolutely. And, and I've also loved, you know, sort of like I talked about, you know, that I, I kind of spent my 10 years kind of learning how to be a good singer songwriter when I, and performer, when I moved over into the speaking space, again, I, I do both. I'm about to put out a new album so that the two are happening at the same time. It's kind of all one career. Um, but when I moved over to the speaking side, there was portions of my talk that I could immediately do at a world-class level, you know, because I, mm -hmm. I, I, I always play songs as part of my talk. I always tell stories as part of my talk. And I'm very comfortable doing those things because I've played 1,500 shows where I do that. But then there was the like... But they're like, okay, you know, this company, they have this problem or, or this, you know, they need this solution or whatever, or this is the story that needs to be told, or, you know, th these are the challenges that our employees are facing, or this is what we need to celebrate or blah, blah, blah. So I had to learn a new craft as far as, I always say that sort of writing a talk is like, you know, writing a great talk is like writing a, a Seinfeld episode where like this happens and then this happens and this happens and they all come together in this great way at the end, you know? Um, but I, I, I've loved, I've loved that, you know, over the, the last several years of, of also doing professional speaking that I feel like I'm getting better and better and better at it and learning and learning and learning. And I, the way my brain works is I just love that stimulation of, of just the challenge of solving the riddle of just, you know, how do I connect with this audience? It's mm -hmm. yeah. I, I love it. 
So let's talk about resilience, right? Because obviously anybody that's trying to make it in, you know, the movie industry or the music industry, the element of resilience, I would say, would would be the big R resilience. So when you think of resilience, define it for me as you know it and or more so how you've experienced it and what, you know, how you think about resilience when you get out there and you kind of uh, deal with people. I mean, uh, I, you know, I always bow down to the feet of Brene Brown, you know, who's kind of, <laughs> as soon as I hear the word resilience, I think of Brene, but you know, my, my sort of lived experience of it is a fundamental belief or a fundamental connection to the sense of I am what I say I am and I, I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do no matter what. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, like I, I am, my sort of purpose in my life is, is to connect with people and to help people connect with their hearts, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And no matter what, no matter what happens, even if, I face rejection because this person doesn't book me or, or like what my life is a sea of rejection, you know, like it's, it's just constant no's. But to me, it's like, well, there is nothing that can knock me off of that path. And that when you get knocked down, you get back up. And I think, you know, when I think of resilience, I also think about, about vulnerability, about authenticity. I think about, you know, that, that it's not about being resilient is not about being a robot. It's about being a human being going through those processes. And as you move through the world, the things that happen to you, you turn them into wisdom, you turn them into strength, you go through a really hard thing, and that thing makes you realize, wow, I can do hard things. You have your heart mm-hmm. broken and you say, wow, look at how much I had put my heart out there. Um, I, I'm going to do that again. Or, like, or I'm going I'm to learn what I want to learn from this, need to learn from this. But I'm going to, like you, your, your cumulative expe- experiences make you bigger, stronger, wiser, softer, gentler. You know, it's like when you speak to that old, old, old person and, and they're just so wise and, and, and calm, it's because it's they've taken all the experiences in their life and they've, it's made them just the, the most beautiful human self. And so I think resilience is, is being on that path. And, you know, for, for me, there's been so many resilience tests like (laughs) through the pandemic and and so let's talk about that because i i envision you know to get what you where you've gotten like you said you had to have gotten a whole lot of no's along the way and (laughs) (laughs) so if you think of that and most most people they hear no and they go oh goodness i can't i can't take that anymore and you said that you stay connected to your heart amidst this Tell me how you do that, because that's that's something that I talk a lot about in leadership is, is really kind of zoning into why do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. And the more connected you become to yourself and really what inspires you, that allows you to impact others around you. And if you're able to do it, it's like an, osmo, you know, an osmosic, mosaic, mosaic effect in that if I'm connected and I know what I do, why I do what I do, then I'm able to kind of impart that onto others. 
Absolutely. I, I fully agree with that. You know, so for, for me, you know, this is one of the things I talk about in my talk is I, is I talk about the, my, this thing I came up with called my head on the pillow rule, which is, you know, when I put my head on the pillow at night, every night, I always ask myself, have I tried my best? Have I helped others to do their best? And that's, that, that's just like this nightly connection with my integrity. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not an integrity based on anybody else's standards, anybody else's expectations. It's just like Peter versus Peter. Have I tried my best? Have I helped others to do their best? Mm-hmm. And I feel like being connected to our integrity is, is, is so fundamental because it, it gives everything that you do, it gives it a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And so when I have that sense of purpose of knowing what I'm doing and, 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 and why I'm doing it and, and how I'm doing it, like doing it in a way that I'm, that I'm proud of, then it doesn't matter. Like I don't control the outcomes, right? Like it doesn't matter. What matters is, is, is kind of how I'm showing up. And so, you know, I think that muscle was actually built in me. I, I, I'm just thinking of this right now as I'm, as I'm talking to you. I think that muscle was actually built inside of me through all of the shows that I played when there was nobody there, you know? <laughs> and I distinctly remember deciding that even though there was nobody there, I was going to play my heart out because it was a matter of, of self-respect, of... I drove myself here sometimes for eight hours, you know, like I'm sleeping on a floor tonight, but in this moment I'm standing on a stage and I'm playing these songs that I wrote. And the dumbest thing that I could do right now would be to not show up with integrity to myself of I'm trying my best. And sometimes there's one person in the audience and I'm like, I'm giving them the show as if I'm playing to 10,000. And I can honestly say from my heart, I've played over 1,500 shows. I have never, ever given less than 110% on stage. I know that. And so that's what gets me through. I think when you lose that sense of self-respect, when you lose that sense of integrity, you lose that sense of purpose. And then there's just nothing in the tank, you know? Um, so that moral perspective, because I talk a lot about authentic leadership mm-hmm. and that internal GPS, which is that space that you go to yes. and you need to check into often when you're, when you're getting those rejections. And I'm sure you have seen people that have lost that connection that lose their way. Yeah, honestly, it, it's, it's, it's so hard. I mean, the, the music business is so hard and I, I'm seeing it, you know, at, like I, I could cry right now if I if I shared some of the stories about some of my musician friends right now and just what they're going through and mm-hmm. and I, I can't even blame them you know but but you know it, it's because it's such a it's there's so many musicians out there that were already like just getting mm-hmm. by they were working so hard and you know like gig to gig to gig and 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 you know with everything shut down they're they're just sort of done but even pre-pandemic you know almost every single 
artists that I kind of started with that we were playing with, they, everybody stopped. And I, I don't blame anybody for that. That's, that's not a judgment, you know, but I, I've seen people sort of lose that hope and, and it's so hard, you know, it's really hard. Uh, and so I, I think like, well, why am I, why am I sort of one of the last man standing is I think because of, of that it has been so important to 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 constantly go back to to that inner connection to myself and to constantly go back to the work to to go back to okay pick up the guitar sit down at the piano like put mm-hmm. on some music that you love and learn it do the thing that you're you say you are i'm a singer songwriter mm-hmm. make sure i'm writing songs and singing them you know no matter what you're a you're a speaker you're a educator you're a whatever whatever you're passionate about most of your time needs to be spent doing the thing and or as much as you possibly can and at the same time you know i, I remember hearing cheryl strade who wrote wild and you know a bunch of great books you know she talked about okay you're a writer you're a writer even if you're a busy parent with nine kids and, <laughs> and and you only get to write for one hour a month every sunday from 2 to 3 p.m you're a writer and, right. and so never never let anybody take that away from you you know I, I love that movie searching for sugar man you know that i for those who don't know the story you know this song songwriter named rodriguez who kind of things didn't go the way that they were supposed to go in his career. And then in his like 60s, he realized that his music was actually massive in South Africa. And he went to South Africa and literally was playing arenas. You know, his music had been like the voice of a generation and he was working construction in Detroit. And I look at that movie and he didn't have a chip on his shoulder. He's like, I'm a singer songwriter. I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm an artist. I make music and I put them out in the world. And mm-hmm. just because he didn't know it wasn't working doesn't mean it wasn't working. And, and so I think like whatever it is that you're doing, it's about showing up for that thing, always trying to get better at it. And then obviously like that connection to self and that like integrity and that kind of loving, loving kindness that you need to give yourself when you face all of the rejection is, is essential because it's hard. Yeah. That loving kindness. And I often talk uh, about connecting to what we call in the clinical world, the EP, which is the emotional part, that deep part within yourself that intuitively you get to Peter as an artist and also um, a speaker you have to go into a deep space within yourself to listen to that intuitive voice that's so deep, right? Which is so elusive because we have the white noise everywhere, right? It's it's like, it's like bullhorns in our ears all the time. And and until you can override that on an ongoing basis, it becomes difficult to listen. Um, But let's talk a little bit about how you stay intuitively connected. And let's also talk about the supports that you have around you. What kind of support systems? Because I think that becomes very key. We can do a lot of things for ourselves, but we need we need people around us that kind of, even when we're self-doubting, they become the reflective lens that we need to kind of look around, even though we may not be, may not be believing in ourselves at that time. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll sort of take that as a two-part question because the, the, you know, the sort of way that I sort of stay connected and make sure that I'm kind of okay, to me really comes down to, the fundamentals and remembering that I'm like this 
you know, bag of bones <laughs> and that, that, that I'm a human. And so I need to do fundamental things to keep this human body okay. So, you know, you can, I've just had a workout. My hair's a little crazy uh, right before this interview. So, you know, like seeing exercise and health as a non-negotiable has been absolutely vital. You know, like, you know, I, I remember reading that, you know, Barack Obama, you know, was president of the United States and he would work out every single morning for an hour, no matter what. So if he has time, we all have time. And, and, and so that, it seems like an obvious thing, but I really see health and, and, and fitness and taking that time as another act of self-respect of, of I'm worth it. And, and I used to, I used to exercise because I didn't, I didn't want to be overweight. That was like my initial, and that's not that motivating, you know, it's like, it's motivating for a time, but it's kind of superficial and it's, 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 you, you, you kind of give up at a certain point, right? But probably five or six years ago, I, I kind of did this shift where I started to see exercise and, you know, taking care of my body as this, this gift and this thing that was, I'm doing this just for me. I'm not trying to win a race. I'm not, like, this is, this is my me time. This is like, and I started craving it like you would crave a piece of chocolate cake. And if I was sitting and I would see somebody running by, I'd be like, oh, like I, I want that too. And, <laughs> and as soon as I kind of made that shift, then I fell in love with, with that physical activity. And it became something that I, I love to do. And every time I do it, I feel proud of myself. I feel my mental health is better. Like everything be feels better. So that's been such an important thing. Same thing goes with, with what I eat, you know, like I, I eat whole food plant-based. So, you know, vegan diet. Um, and again, it's like every time I'm eating, I'm, I'm giving love to my body. I'm eating things that, that, that fuel me, that make me feel good, that give me mental clarity, that don't, there, I'm not in conflict with any of my ethics, with any of the planet, like everything feels aligned with every meal that I eat. You know, I, I have a, a mindfulness coach that I work with and, and a therapist that I work with. And so again, those things, you know, it's, it's cost money and I have to work hard to make that money, but it, it's, it's like, it's, these are all gifts that I give myself so that I can go do the work that I, I want to do out in the world and, and I can have that deep well that I can get on stage and I can give of myself or I can drive wherever I need to drive or do whatever work I need to do in order to be able to spill over as a performer, as a speaker, I need to be filling that well every day. Um, sleep is another one too. I mean, these are all just basic things, but if I didn't say them, I would be missing the most important things, you know? Um, and so those to me are kind of the fundamentals. And then as far as support networks, this is actually something that I talk about in my talks is I talk about lifelines and lifelines are, are those kind of one or two key people in your life with whom there's no disconnect between how you need to be on the outside and what it feels like to be who you are on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those lifeline relationships, they don't just happen. They're, they're relationships that need to be intentionally nurtured 
Um, and so there's a few key people in my life that I, I keep that open lifeline to. And if I'm really struggling with something or I've, I've faced so much rejection and it's not something that I, I feel like I can sort of publicly share because I'm trying to sort of have a certain perceived value as a speaker or as an artist or whatever. Um, I have somebody, some, some key people out there that I know I feel seen by and that they know that this is what I'm dealing with. And, and I also can see them and, and that's, so 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 vital you know in my talk i go into sort of longer stories about how important lifeline connections are but um so how do you how did you because that becomes a very important is vulnerability right like here you are like you said perceived value or persona and so there's yes in order to cultivate those lifelines there may have been some things that you had to do a bit differently to be able to let those people know here i am this is peter this is you know public persona peter yeah. And then there's Peter, all encompassing Peter, every element. Of, but that takes a lot of strength to be able to be that vulnerable to people in your life. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, you have to invest in it because it, 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 in order to really go there, you need to build that trust and safety. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I don't think you can just run around and like kind of overshare with everybody and, <laughs> and expect to sort of have that genuine safety i'm not i'm not sort of criticizing people that are you know vulnerable publicly or anything like that i mean i i am too um but i think that that really core deep sort of seen and be seen kind of experience uh i think requires an intentional investment of time and energy and and, and an intentional statement uh as well of hey can we be this for each other? You know, like, I think you, it, it grows, but also, and so one, one little thing that I do with my lifelines is we'll, we will text each other the words, what's your update? And what's your update is a cue to say, it's different than how's it going, right? Cause how's it going? Well, you know, this happened and that happened and this blah, blah, blah. But what's your update is, Hey, I'm available. I'm creating a space for you to let me know how you're really doing. And I, I see on Instagram, great, you're doing all these things and blah, blah, blah. But how are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's so many instances that you see of people that are seemingly really successful and then, you know, they take their own lives or, or, or they yeah. find out that they've been terribly sad behind the scenes or there's all kinds of things happening. You're like, well, how, how could that happen? You know, and... Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's easy how that could happen. Um, and, and so I think creating those conduits is, is something that, that's, that's been super helpful. And, and that kind of what's your update thing came out of um, a, a real moment of crisis for me when I, I, I was kind of in a really intense period and, and, you know, kind of had a, like a panic attack essentially. And I just was so overworked, I had the sleepless night and I had to drive for 10 hours to play this gig. And I just was, you know, and I reached out to my, to my two kind of key lifelines and it became really clear in that moment that my whole state changed when I felt seen by people that I had 
built safety and trust that I knew could handle it, that, you know, that we had that rapport, that it wasn't, I wasn't burdening anybody. I like all of that was in place from the relationship that we had built that I could let my full self be seen. And as soon as I reached out to them, I, I just sent them an email because it was like early in the morning, I fell asleep and like there was this giant relief. So it's know? called to, it's really cultivating it because unfor unfortunately when we feel as human beings, yeah. You know, and you were, you know, quite open in talking about seeing a therapist. A lot of people are afraid to share that. And I often say to them with me being a, you know, a psychologist is that it's really, it's really, you know, the space we all need to get to because we are often incapable of seeing the unconscious and the replicatable patterns that we persist because it becomes, it's kind of like a second skin and we need somebody to have kind of, um, you know, highlight the spots that we can gloss over from our conscious brain, right? So I think my, 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 you know, in choosing the path that I took, you took the music route, I took the, the psychology route is to really have people recognize that we all need the time and space to be able to listen to that deep spot. And oftentimes you need somebody else to kind of uh, pull it out that has an objective lens. Um, oh, yeah. You know, but people are afraid of that because they think of that as, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not well. And that's really not, I look at it as, you know, um, it shows that you are very well when you're reaching out and saying, I need. I, I could not agree more, you know, that, you know, I, I, I mentioned I do this mentoring work uh, in the summertime with the, the teenagers and uh, one of, one of my, I've been doing it for seven years. And so one of the students that was there my first year actually became one of the staff members and, uh, Long story short, we do this exercise where we talk about masks, you know, and sort of taking off our masks. It's a kind of powerful metaphor. And we actually build masks. So the students have a mask built on their face. And, and you know, while they're having the mask built, we're, we're prompting them saying like, hey, what does it feel like to be under a mask? It, you know, it feels heavy. Ooh. It feels, you know, and we get up on the microphone. And as grownups, we share with them like, hey, we also wear masks. We don't have it all figured out. You know, it's not just because you're a teenager. Like, so we are vulnerable with them and we share of ourselves and we share some of the masks that we make. Anyway, so one of this person who had been my student and was now a staff member, she got on the microphone and she said, she said, I wear a mask of strength. And I was like, huh, you know, because strength is a word that we associate positively, you know, like, oh, it's great to be strong. And she said, I needed to learn to take off my mask of strength so I could let my real strength show. Hmm. And I was like, I just got goosebumps again. I mean, I, I <laughs> that's, pro that's profound. It is so profound because yeah. that's really it is like, if we actually, I'm getting emotional, if we actually want to be strong, we need to allow ourselves to be seen. Um, and mm. because you're not, it's just a, it's just a house of cards otherwise, you know, and then right. the wind blows the wrong way and it's all, it all comes crumbling down. And so I'll never forget that. And I, and I, I really, I admire her so much for saying that. And, and it's been one of my biggest lessons. And I, I could not agree more. I, I think therapy, self-care, um, you know, breaking down and and sharing with with a friend that you've built that trust with or or a professional you know seeking professional help getting whatever help you need is it's is a sign of strength and it's a sign of wanting to 
get better and and be more solidly fit and the truth is is the more that you're able to do that you you're stronger you're able to do more you're able to be there for others you're able to contribute more like all the things that you're trying to be strong for whether it's your family whether it's you know whoever you're more able to be there for them you're more available by by yeah, allowing for that vulnerability. I, I couldn't agree more. No, I know we didn't talk about this and maybe we can't, but I'm wondering, is it possible for you to play us something to, to close off? Uh, I, 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 I would love to. Um, I don't, this, this guitar this set- is broken. This is electric guitar. And uh, okay. I, I actually me- have a great, a great setup uh, like this is, well, I'm just on my computer. I have an amazing setup upstairs, but I could well, maybe, maybe next time, maybe next yeah, time. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe next time, because I think I'm, I'm inspired and I, you know, for those of you that aren't going to uh, see Peter's face, uh, what I'm in tune with is that how much, how deep he goes because he closes his eyes. And hopefully if you, if you listen to this uh, podcast, I would tell you to eventually when it gets released on YouTube to go, because um, I can see the space that you go to, Peter, just be, because you close your eyes and, and it's almost like you're visualizing it internally. And I, I can you just imagine what that must be like with your music, which I have not listened to. So now I'm going to I'm going to go listen um, yeah. to one of, your, one of your songs. And, you know, it, this has been really inspiring um, for me to listen. And I love to listen to the backstories of um, musicians. I've, I've, for some reason, I've always had a fascination and uh um, I just listened to Eric Clapton's uh, story the other day, and I'm always inspired where they get their their mm. inspiration. And now interviewing you, it's it really it, it, I could see the depth that you go to to be able to produce these things. So I'm you know you said you have um, you know two things I want you to obviously anybody that's listening to Peter and wants to reach out to him to be able to have him speak. I know we are in a virtual speaking world. Um, you can do that, or obviously conferences are coming up. But also, you said you're releasing something. If you wanted to tell them a little bit about that, and we can also put the link um, in in the show notes so that people can uh, do both. So yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. If if I if I did have a a, a, a working guitar handy right now, the song <laughs> I would have played is is a new song of mine called Paper Thin, and it, it's it really it would have been the perfect segue, but I, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't prepared. But um, but uh, you know the paper thin is is all about kind of vulnerability and letting that be seen and the, the lyric in the in the second verse is when your biggest fear it ends up coming true that's when you find out what you have inside of you i'm braver than i ever could have known these days have shown that to me um wow. and it's really yeah it's so that would be a, a good good song to start with and of course yeah like like you said i i, I you know i i give a lot of talks and i, I have a, a a great setup upstairs uh, with multi cameras and you know kind of a great audio and i've i've actually been i did 11 talks in the last nine days um, wow that's amazing so how did you pivot because for most people listening you know that the speaking training world with with uh, the pandemic it got shut down so how did you pivot to get to get um you know doing as many talks how did you kind of bounce back so i i have a very strong survival instinct <laughs> and uh on on march 12th I gave a talk to RBC um, and at, in the middle, like as the person was introducing me for that talk, 
um, they had to announce to the audience that there had been a COVID case on the same floor that all these people worked in. So that was my, that was my intro. Um, And I realized as I was packing up my gear and going home that it was, the the gig was up, you know, that something like I I could just smell it happening. And I think that night the NBA was canceled and kind of everything sort of happened. And so I'm not kidding. March 13th, I woke up in the morning and I said, I need to figure this out. And, you know, in the, over the next several days, I saw every single booking I had canceled. I had shows, I had so many talks, like my speaking thing was going amazingly, you know, everything got canceled. So I came into this basement, this room that I'm in right now. And I said, okay, I, I need to figure this out. And I had 2000 bucks in my bank account and I bought a camera which is not the camera I'm using and then it's set up upstairs. Um, and I, I started just doing this deep dive and I, I don't know. I just, my instinct was that I need to create something that is not just a lesser version than a in-person talk. I need to create something that is its own great thing and that people aren't experiencing as a, okay, I, I guess I feel bad. I'll support this musician or, okay, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll have this guy come, but it's, it's like, it's not going to be sustainable unless it's of a really high quality. And so I basically figured out how to have kind of broadcast quality live music, um, have multiple cameras and lighting and switching and multimedia elements. I honestly, I think it's my, I did my bachelor's degree I did a bachelor of fine arts and theater performance you know and one of the things we talked about in that program was there's a difference between acting on stage and acting on a camera you know when you when you're on stage you know you're like you're big and your arms are out and you're filling a space because there's you know thousands of people there you know and if you whereas when you're on camera you like move an eyebrow and like it sends a chill down somebody's spine which would do nothing if you were on stage so I sort of approached my virtual work through that lens of okay I'm going to be looking into a camera. This, these are the parameters. And so, but I can do things that I can't do live. So I could be talking like this, but then I could be really intimately talking on the microphone or I could, I could like get right up there and, and like, you know, you, there's things that you can do to, to use the medium. And so I just did this three week deep dive. I was up till six in the morning, many nights I bought, all the gear, I just was like, here we go. If you're opening a restaurant, you got to buy a bunch of stuff and go into debt and recover it. So I was like, well, this is me opening my restaurant. And, uh, and I emerged on the other side, uh, you know, capable of doing a really high quality music performance, a really high quality talk. And I created, I created, I learned Adobe Premiere and created a reel for myself. Um, and it just started working, you know, and there's been, it sort of took a second for the wider world to start booking things because everybody was just kind of scrambling and, and, but then, you know, at a certain point companies and, you know, associations, everybody, they were like, well, we need to, we can't ignore our people. We still need to bring in educators and, and speakers. And, and as soon as that started happening, I was standing there ready to go. And, um, yeah, I, I did. I did nine. Like I did eleven in the last ten days, but nine of those were in five days. Um, oh wow! wow. And it was, you know, I, 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 in the in the last since COVID, 
I've, I've spoken to over 25,000 people, um, wow. which is kind of amazing. It, it, it truly is. And talking about, uh, again, looking at the obstacles and then going deep and thinking, okay, how do I need to pivot accordingly? And, and then just going to what I call the internal GPS and saying, okay, what do I need to do? I know what I'm about, yeah. but then delivering it in, in a format that you, like you said, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours was already achieved. And it's like, okay, just the platform now needs to adjust accordingly. Exactly. You know, and, and yeah. you know, Seth Godin too, you know, he talks about like, if you really want to be successful at something, like make people's lives better, like focus on the service, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's that that's the lens through which i i approached it i was like okay i want to make something that actually makes people's lives better through these times and the the net result and the feedback that i get all the time people literally say they're like it's like watching netflix but the guy is talking back to me in real time you know <laughs> so like picture watching your favorite concert dvd but the person can talk to you and see you right. Um, right. and and that's kind of what it's been like and it's been beautiful you know I, i've given these concerts where um like i also thought about the format where i was like okay i don't want to just be doing a one-way communication you know like so where do i host these things so that there can be interactivity and I, I did this concert this like sort of family and group of friends booked me for a private concert and you know the the mom was in toronto the grandma was in somewhere in the u.s oh. the daughter was in new zealand and they asked if I'd play this song that all of them loved and, you know, they're crying and it's like, it's, that would never happen in, in the, like, that wouldn't be possible in the physical space. So we're creating something of high value, of high emotional impact, high meaning that's uniquely only possible in this format. And so it's always about thinking of like, okay, what's the format and what can it do? What can it do that nobody's thought of yet? Um, so how can I innovate within the space and then build from there? Well, I think you and I could keep talking. There's so many things that so many, so many uh, variations or of things that you've done so far, but uh, Peter, it's been, it's uh, I've enjoyed my time with you. And now that I've met you yet again, um, and I'll have to, um, you know, thank Blake for uh, that day that he's uh, spoke at caps that I was able to, you were in the room and now I remember you clearly. So again, for anyone this uh, encompasses so many things when you think of resilience. And if, if anything I'm walking away with, it's the importance of um, staying connected to that moral space within yourself of why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. You know why you started doing what you're doing. Stay connected to that. Um, get your lifelines in place. Um, you know, be vulnerable. You know, like your uh, colleague shared at that camp. Um, sometimes things that are, are viewed as strengths are in fact limitations. and trying to push yourself to understand what those are so that you can be kind of the best version of who you need to be. So Peter, again, where can people reach you? And we, we, all the links will be in the show notes. So you can, you'll be able to link into things, but tell us uh, where we can reach you for either speaking. And uh, we will also um, add the link to, uh, for your new CDs. Yeah, for sure. So petercats.com is, is, is K-A-T-Z uh, or K-A-T-Z for American friends um, is the kind of central hub. There's petercatspeaks.com as well, which it's also linked at petercats.com. So um, specifically for speaking stuff, petercatspeaks.com is, is a good place to go. But um, I'm also at petercatsmusic on Instagram, all the 
social handles. We're even getting on TikTok now. So, um, and, uh, and, uh, so yeah, at Peter Katz music is a, is a good, good place to kind of follow along. And, and, uh, and there's a contact section at petercatspeaks.com, you know, if you're interested in, uh, you know, doing a talk. So, uh, and I'm always, ha- I'm always happy to just get on the phone with, you know, clients and just see if it's a fit and, and, uh, just have the discussion of, of, you know, what, what, what are you, what are you looking for? What are the challenges? And, and if, if I'm a good fit, then that becomes evident over the course of the, over the course. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And for everyone listening, uh, I'm Roxanne Derhodge of Authentic Living with Roxanne. If you're interested in uh, deep diving further into what it takes to be an authentic leader and leading from your heart, you can reach me at roxanderhodge.com. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhodge.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.